If you have your Bible and you want to look with us today in the book of Luke, the first chapter, starting in verse 67 through 80, I will not read all of that. That is where our text is from today. And we want to talk about our prophecy or our testimony that we have today. What runs in your mind when you hear these words? I'm pregnant. What happens? Do you get excited? Are you happy? Are you joyful? Are you like me? Great terror and fear would strike. Can you imagine being a, a lady that is out of childbearing years going into her husband and saying, I'm pregnant. What is his first response going to be? How is he going to feel? What is he going to be thinking about that my wife is now pregnant? Or maybe a young teenage girl that goes out and tells her family and her fiancé that she did not know in a biblical sense, no, I'm pregnant. Was there excitement or fear? Was there rejoicing or was there sorrow? Some of us today, we'll look at this and we'll not know what the future holds when we hear those words. I remember a few years ago, well, a little over seven now, uh, around this time of year, around Father's Day, going to our daughter's house and, and getting two envelopes. And the first envelope, we opened it up, and it was tickets to hear Martina McBride in concert. Oh, I was so excited. I just, just, boy, I was tickled to death. That was my Father's Day gift. And I thought, well, what's in the other envelope? And I'm thinking, okay, cash, you know, some, you know, new car keys. I didn't know. So I open up that second envelope, and it's a sonogram of a little face. And I looked at my daughter, and she just kind of grinned and said, you're going to be a papa. And Katie got the ticket. She understood that, but we kind of had to explain the sonogram to her. It just didn't come through. A little over four years ago, Brandon got on a bicycle in Cincinnati, Ohio, and rode to Washington, D.C., to which Amanda met him at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial with a onesie. And on the way back, they went through the beach area there on the East Coast, and they, they laid out three pair of sandals. And one plus one equals one. And they brought us that picture. And they came in and they gave it to us. And, and I looked at it and I looked up and I was just grinning from ear to ear because now the Pierce name can go on one more generation. It can be carried on one more time. And again, my lovely bride looks at it and goes, I don't get it. There ain't but two of them. 
But she figured it out. That she was going to be a grandma again. Well, let's take a look at two of the mothers in the Bible and see what they learned and what happened when they were, found out they were expecting. As I said earlier, one was an aged and barren lady that was past their childbearing years. Her name was Elizabeth. Zachariah's wife. Zachariah was a priest, and he was the leader of not only his family, but the tribe. He had their respect, their honor, their guidance was looking through him. But Elizabeth was so ashamed that at her age she had become pregnant. She hid herself for six months. During that time, the angel of the Lord visited Mary and told Mary, you're going to have a child. And Mary, being unwed, never been married, never having been with a man, also was embarrassed, and she went and hid with Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth was about six months along when Mary arrived. And Mary was about three months. So here are these two relatives. Elizabeth and Mary are related. Elizabeth is older, should not be having a child. And here comes Mary younger, and shouldn't be having a child. And they went in, and, and they got together. And they, they, they kind of stayed hid. And, but as all things happened, they had to come out. And can't you just hear the people in the village when they come out? Can you just hear that? Why, what was she thinking? At her age, having a baby? That poor thing. Who's going to care for it? You know she's going to be so old she can't do things for him. Look at that. Oh, poor man. Her husband must be so embarrassed. And at that time, Zachariah had gone mute. Couldn't speak. And they're like, no wonder. He's so embarrassed, he can't even talk about it. He can't talk about anything else. And I want you to look. That apple don't fall far from the tree, because look, she's done got one of her little teenage nieces or, ne- or cousins in here, and, and, and that, that kid's pregnant too. What kind of house has he got over there? What kind of people are they raising? What, a, what kind of an example Are they setting? Katie and I know those whispers and conversations. We got married in in February, and Brandon was born in December. And you can join the Good Southern Baptist down home. They all went in front of us. They counted off. So we, we know what that is. Sadly, today, there's some people in this room that know what that is. Sadly, today, there's some people in this room that have said those things. 
Sadly today, there are people in the room that are looking for skeletons in other people's closets when if you opened up their door, you'd find a whole cemetery. But Zechariah, the father, the priest, the leader, had gone mute. So when Elizabeth gave birth to this baby, tradition would have been that they named the child after the father. That's where the name would have come from. But when they got ready to circumcise the child and then to name that child, so for eight days they did not name the child. And they said, okay, his name shall be, Elizabeth spoke up and said, his name shall be John. And they all stopped. Well, first she's got pregnant at an old age and now it's made her lose her mind because she's wanting it to be named after John named John, and there is nobody in the family named John. Her daddy's not, her granddaddy's not, her brother ain't, her uncle. Nobody in that family was named John. And they looked over at Zachariah, and he called for a tablet, and he wrote on that tablet, his name will be John. Now we studied and talked about a few weeks ago about names and what they meant. The reason that Elizabeth and Zechariah named their son John was because when she was visited and was told, you're going to bear a son and his name shall be John, John translated in the Greek and Hebrew language as God is gracious. So here is a couple that had no children, nobody to carry on the name, nobody to carry the lineage out, and now they're having a child. God is gracious. And I often kid and I talk about the little terrorists that we have running around here and other places, and and really and truly I love children, I do. As long as I can send them home with you at the end of the day. I love them. But I would not, will not, take anything for my grandchildren. My son will tell you he has to behave and treat his children right because he is no longer in the will. Our grandchildren have taken his spot. And he's right. He's true. It's not that. The other day we were sitting somewhere and he was trying to get my attention and I was talking with someone and he was daddy, daddy, Michael. And he said, Papa. And I stopped and turned around. Many of us are that way today with our grandchildren. Some of us even get that way with our wives. It's called selective hearing. We hear what we want to hear. But when Zachariah's son was born and he said, God is gracious, when he put that name on his son. Let's see what Zachariah's testimony was. Look with me, if you will, in verse 69, or starting in verse 68. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited visited." 
and provided redemption for His people. He raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Just as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of those who hate us, He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered His holy covenant. He's talking about Mary's child. He's talking about the child that Mary is having. He's talking about the child that has been sent to the world by His heavenly Father to become our salvation. To provide a way for you and I to be saved. To provide a way that you and I can fight off the demons of this world simply by calling on His name. How many of you have had a a child that was sick or a loved one that was sick or or maybe yourself and, and you just all you could say was Jesus and there was a comfort come to you how many of you have had a trial that was coming up and you just all you knew was to take it to Jesus Zachariah said this is the child this is the child the horn that will blow the mighty trump of salvation that is given to us freely by our God. He's here. He's coming. Through this little girl. This little teenage girl. Can you imagine how Mary must have felt? Knowing what her son was coming for. Knowing what he was through. She knew the story. She knew the scriptures. She knew everything that her son was going to have to go through. I have sat and I've talked with grandparents and, and parents whose children were in the war. And I've seen them with tears in their eyes as they were talking about the number of days they prayed every morning, noon, and night that they wouldn't get that too familiar knock on their door. Knowing that their child was in a foreign land serving the country and they were just worried sick and they would pray continuously that God would take care of them and bring them home. But Mary knew from the very conception what her son would have to go through. She knew from the very second what was prophesied about her son and what he would have to suffer and what it would mean to you and I. So when the words, I'm pregnant, came out of her, I'm sure there was an exceeding joy that overflowed. It always is. I remember the first time that I heard those words. I was standing on a street corner in Huntsville, Alabama on a payphone talking to my father-in-law and he said, well, hang on a minute. Katie wants to talk to you. 
And I think I went in shock. So I put the phone up to Mayor and I, yeah, what's going on? She said, we're having a baby. And I, I, I was so in shock. Her grandfather was with me and I said, here, she needs to talk to you. We hung up the phone and her granddaddy looked at me and said, let's go get a piece of pie. We need to celebrate. Of course, our grandfather, it didn't take much for him to get a piece of pie and celebrate. Then a few years later, or months, seems like, hey, we're having another one. And the joy that it overflowed through our hearts and our lives. These women had such a blessing in their life. But in their hearts, they had such a curse. Have you ever had that happen to you? Something that just seems so great and wonderful, but you know that there's something coming. These women... One of them had the one inside of them that was prophesied to be the way maker. He was going to go out and proclaim before the other that there's one coming. The other carried the way in her. She carried the very source of our salvation inside of her. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have given birth to these babies? To have swaddled them? To have bathed them? To have loved on them? Nurse them? Grow them up? Tuck them in at night? My grandmother had sisters, is all she had. She had three girls. Our mother, the first child she had, was a girl. One of my brother was born, the very first male child in this family. She was ecstatic, they said. She was just tickled to death. <laughs> she was changing his diaper one day as she had changed diapers on numerous girls. And as she had the diaper laid out, she was leaned over just grinning and grinning, and she got wet. And she thought it was the funniest and greatest thing in the world. She never had a boy. And here was Elizabeth and Mary, Elizabeth having John. And she was going to have the way prepare. He was going to prepare the way. So when Zechariah proclaimed that his son was born and the lineage was going to be alive and the priest knew the scriptures, he knew what was going to happen to this child. And he knew what was going to happen to Mary's. But Zechariah went... And in his prophecy, and in his testimony, if you look at verse 76, he starts to talk about his own son. Now, do we do that today? 
Zechariah talked about who? Jesus first. Then he talked about his son second. How many of us in this room today and how many of people do you know have reversed that order? We've made little g gods of our children and grandchildren. We've made lowercase l lords that they would reign over. I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings this morning, but sometimes I look at families and look at, at, at children and I think, mm, somebody needs to reverse the order. I love my son with all my heart, but I love my Jesus more. My daughter means the world to me, but God gave me the world. My grandchildren are the most special thing in our lives. They are the ones that I laugh about, I cry with, I cringe when I hear them get a spanking. I hold tightly to the chair wanting to go and take their punishment for them. But my God gave me His Son who did take the punishment for me and for them. So when Zechariah prophesied about these two babies and what they were to be, he spoke first of Jesus and then his own. The problem in our churches today is it's an I church. I've done this and I've done that. Look what I did. Oh, in case you didn't notice, I was the one that did that. In case you didn't know it, I was the one that had that carpet picked out. I was the one that chose the songbooks. I was the one that chose. But Zachariah said, I'm going to talk about Jesus first. I'm going to tell you what Jesus is first. Jesus is the salvation of the world. Jesus is the one that is going to carry us all the way from the, from the cradle to the cross to the grave and then to heaven. He has prepared everything, every step has been laid out. He knows what we're doing. He knows where He's going to take us and how He's going to guide us and how He's going to get us there. Then Zechariah said in verse 76, we may have went a long way around the world this morning, but this is what we want to talk about this morning. Zechariah 76. I'm sorry, Luke 1, 76. Zechariah said, And you, child, take and mark out child and put your name. And you will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways. 
to give His people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us. You ever thought about that? What does the dawning of a new day bring? Brings hope. Brings a peace. Brings some kind of a comfort. The dawn of in, from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Lord, we thank you so much for your Son and, Father, for, for you sending him. And Father, now as we look at the words of Zechariah, we, we look at words that, Father, are going to challenge us. Father, that should lead us and should direct us and should guide us, Lord. Father, we, just, we see these words and we hear what they're saying, Father. And Lord, we just ask now that you would open our hearts. Father, clear them of the burdens and trials of this world that we could see and hear your word. Father, we thank you so much for this story in the Bible. Father, how this story intermingles into our lives. And, Father, how it plays a part in your story for us. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Father, be with those that are traveling. Watch over them, Lord. Guide them and direct them. Father, we just ask this in your holy name. Amen. Now, look at what Zechariah is saying. He is telling us that his son is going to go out and proclaim the good news. And the reason I stopped and I said, mark out that and put your name in it. What is our job as Christians today? To go out and proclaim the good news. To take our lives and let them be used as a testimony, a prophecy of what God can do in others' lives. Look at our lives. I heard it said this morning, well, I stumble. So do I. I trip and I fall. So do I. There's times when I, I, I just, I completely miss the mark and I fail. So do I. So does each and every one of us in this room today. If you're still breathing, you will not go through a day that you don't miss the mark somewhere. Zechariah said, look, we are to prepare the way to guide, to guide people to the salvation and love of God. And you can say, well, you don't know what I've done. God knows. And what you've done may be exactly what somebody else needs to hear. That what you were doing, God still loved you and brought you out of it anyway. What we have lived through, what our experiences are, where we have been, and that God would 
bring us out from there and still love us enough that His Son was sent to die for us. I, I, I use Katie a lot in illustrations and, and so far she hadn't killed me in my sleep. If you want to know, I'm not perfect. Ask her. And if you're looking for somebody up here to stand in it is perfect, you're looking in the wrong place. You've got to go higher up. Some of us walk by the mirror every morning and think, man, I, I am just all right. I'm perfect. I tell Katie every day I walk by and I look in the mirror and I think, oh, she's a lucky woman. How did she get so lucky? And I've told you before and I'll tell you again, I think a lot of Katie's husband. He's a good man. But he's not near as good as God. My mama didn't name me John. God is gracious. John was job and his way was to go and prepare the hearts and lives of others to receive the Word of God. To receive the very Son of our God. Zechariah knew that the person preparing the way would be cut down like a reed. But he still praised his name. I'm going to tell you something this morning. As you go and you prepare the way, you're going to be cut down. You're going to be kicked. You're going to be laughed at. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be made fun of. You're going to hear things like, I remember what we used to do. Some of us in here have that in our past. I remember what we used to, where we used to go and what we used to do. And now you want to tell me that it's wrong. You want to tell me that what we did was wrong and it was wrong then and you're telling me that God loved you enough that He saved you, brought you out of it, forgave you for it and is preparing a place for you in heaven? Yes! That's what I want to tell you. When I accepted Christ in the third week of July, in an old-fashioned revival down in Alabama. And I came down that aisle and I accepted Christ. And that following Sunday, I was baptized. And it's, I came up and, and I went out the following day. I, went, I wanted everybody to know what had happened. I wanted to tell everybody about it. God had gave me a testimony. He had taken an old country boy that thought because I was in church every Sunday, knew the hymn book frontwards and backwards, I could sing all 38 verses of Just As I Am and line up for another one. 
How many of you knew Amazing Grace actually has five verses? And if you're down south, you add the sixth one. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Today we sang seven eleven songs. We sang seven words eleven times and raise our hands. Back then we sung forty-eight words and eleven verses nineteen times. And no offense to anyone, they all sounded the same. You could sing the same song with the same play, piano playing and never turn the page except to see what the words for the next one were. But I'm going to tell you something. After that third Thursday, or third Thursday in July, when I walked down that aisle, there was a song that was placed in my heart that was different from any other song that I'd ever heard before. And it was a song that was only for me. Today there is a song that is only for you. There is a song that God will place in your heart because your life is not like mine. But I'm going to tell you something. The same God has the same blood and has the same forgiveness and the same grace and mercy offering it to you today that He offered to me. I wonder today how many in this room have gave up on their testimony. I went out and I was sharing it with everybody I knew. And I went to a guy and I said, you know what happened to me Thursday? Yeah, you've been telling everybody. But two weeks ago, I know where you and I were at. Why don't we talk about that? And it was a blow. Like somebody just cut a hole in the middle of my sail. And the boat started to creep across the lake instead of flow fastly across. How many of us today, our prophecy about what God can do in others' lives has been nailed shut because we allowed the world to guide it and direct it instead of allowing God? Zechariah said, I'm going to raise up the child that's coming before I raise up my own. This morning, I want to tell you something. I want to raise up the life of Jesus before I raise up my own life. Don't follow my life. I talked last week about going through the airport and those people saying, stand on those little yellow footprints. If you stand in man's footprints... You're going to mar down. If you stand in man's footprints, you're going to start to sink. And once you start sinking, it gets harder and harder to pull yourself out. But if you stand in the footprints of God, that path is solid. That path is true. That path will never falter and never waver. That path will go straight every day of your life. 
Zechariah knew that all the earthly family and his friends and the communities, they knew the families. They saw what they was coming from. Can you just see them now talking again? I want you to look at that. That boy's daddy, he, all he's, he's just a carpenter. He'll never have money. He'll never be able to support them. What do we look like in our own lives today? Do we sit there and do we have people say, well, you know, he only works down there at the factory. There ain't no way he can support a family. Do we look at each other's lives and we wonder sometimes, how? Have you ever tried to tell your story and somebody asked you a question that was deeper than you knew the answer to? What is our example when we ask or ask a question that we don't know the answer to? What the old prophet testament uh, prophets say in the Old Testament? I don't know, but I'll find out. What's the old saying? Better to be thought a fool than open your mouth and prove it. There may be times when you have when you ask me a question and I say I'll have to go look it up. I don't know. There may be things about my past and you say, how does God forgive those? And how come God can forgive those? I can tell you, I don't know. But I know He does. I don't know how the things of the, the body actually work the way they do. I don't know. I know that there are people who have studied it and can make it and explain it. But I can tell you this beyond a shadow of a doubt that I know that what, what is written here in God's Word said, I'm sending my Son to die for you. I'm sending Him to take your place. And there's a verse in there that I, that I just hold on to because it says, whosoever will. It didn't say those that come from a perfect life and a financially secure family and those that have never faltered and never failed can only come to me. It said, whosoever will. Zechariah said, my son is going to go out. And he's going to tell them, my son that God wanted me to name John because it said God is gracious. We sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved. The writer chose to put a wretch as me. We could change that word wretch to so many things. I once was lost and now I'm found. That he saved such an addict as me. That he saved so much as a 
hateful, spiteful person as I. That He saved a lost and dying sinner that criticized and ridiculed everybody every day. He saved me. There's nothing in your life that's going to shock God. Zechariah's testimony was, you and I are the ones to go out and show the world what a change He can make in us. And if He can make that change in us, He can still make it in them. We have people sitting in here today that are not sure that their lives have been changed. They may have a head knowledge of who God is and what God can do, but they don't have the heart knowledge. That third Thursday in July when I walked down that aisle, I knew on the Wednesday night before who God was. I knew what I had to do to accept Him as my Lord and Savior. I knew what I had to do to become a Christian. But I thought I knew it all. But once I walked down that aisle and I accepted Him and I told the world what was happening in my heart, I got a brand new testimony. I got a brand new prophecy to go share with the world. Now don't get scared to death, Baptist. We're not going to... Prophecy is a word for testimony. And if you can't stand and tell somebody what God done for you, He is still willing to do for them, then you need to come renew your testimony today. We've got hearts and lives in here this right now this morning that are looking for hope and peace and joy. Can you stand today and prophesy or testify about the good things He's done for you? Can you do that today? Can you stand up and tell others what God means in your life? Can you explain to them how to accept it and have it in their life? Sometimes do you have doubts and fears as to whether your salvation is complete or whether you've been saved? Come today and let's assure that you are. This morning as we get ready to sing and if you're hurting, need assurance, guidance, direction, deliverance, whatever it is. This morning when we get through praying and they start singing, let's come and bring it to God and renew our testimony that we can stand as Zachariah said his son was going out to do to prepare the way for the way. morning, I want to ask you to stand. We're going to pray and then we're going to start singing. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your mercy. Father, for your grace and your goodness. Father, we thank you for the testimony that you've placed in our heart and in our life, Lord. Father, we thank you so much that 
today you still offer that same testimony, that same renewal, that same forgiveness, that same love, that same grace to a lost and dying world. Father, you haven't changed the plan. You haven't changed the way or the direction. Father, it's still us coming to you. And Father, emptying ourselves out and being filled with you. Father, this morning we just ask that God, as we close out and they start to sing, if there's somebody here today, Lord, that Father needs to stand up and proclaim that they are yours. Father, they need to come kneel and bow. God, we just ask if this is the day and the hour. Father, this morning we thank you so much for allowing us to be used. Father, to be a testimony and a prophecy of your grace and your spirit and your love. Father, we ask all this in your holy name. Amen.